Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. Hey, Merry Almost Christmas, everybody. Glad you've joined us once again on this podcast where the majority of the episodes we do are just the proclamation of the word from the previous Sunday. Um, I say just, but really the proclamation of the word is the most engaging and interesting content there is in this world uh, because it's otherworldly. So anyway, I I hope you enjoy today's uh, podcast. I mostly used it as an opportunity Using the, the four lectionary texts, of course, uh, as an opportunity to encourage people toward evangelism, but not really door-to-door evangelism or gospel tract evangelism. Um, as I've read Christian history and as I read my Bible, it just seems clear to me that our lives should be lived intentionally, building bridges, um, connections with people outside of the church. We should be um, engaged with our neighbors. And so um, I make the case for that, not just based in the Bible, but also based in social science. Um, it just seems abundantly clear that our, our generation is not doing well because we're so alienated and isolated. And the church really should be the primary entity doing something about that. So anyway, if you don't agree with me, then listen. And, and if you are a persuadable person, then maybe you will agree with me by the time uh, you're done. And if you already agree with me, uh, but perhaps you've struggled to put into action what you believe, then perhaps you'll get some clarity here. So I hope you enjoy your time you spend with us. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Good morning. morning. Our first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 16, which you can find on page 990 of your pew Bibles. Listen to the word of God. Moreover, the Lord spake against unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God, Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For behold, the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, and the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a short reading, but there's actually a lot there. And I'm not primarily interested in preaching on the socio-historical context, although that's interesting. The the portion it's wanting us to reflect on today, we know this. The Revised Common Lectionary has four readings that have been selected for us by other people long ago somewhere else. Uh, The gospel reading for today is going to quote this prophecy and say it was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Um, This is hundreds of years before in a very different context. Jesus is Emmanuel. Now, it's also going to talk about his name, Yeshua, and his title, Messiah. But Emmanuel is the title for this promised child who would know good and evil very early on and would be uh, uh, righteous in his dealings. This is, of course, the Christ child. Now, I laid out the foundations of today's message and what I talked about with the children, which is because of who God has been for us, 
we are called to be a certain way for other people. We have a way of life set aside for us that is marked by being with others. So let's talk about a ministry of presence. That's usually what it's called. Um, in a very practical sense, there's a way to minister to people who are going through a hard time. Have you ever um, gone through a tremendous loss and someone uh, gives you a call and says, you know, everything happens for a, good, uh, for a reason. God just needed another angel in heaven. You know, that's why you're suffering. Get over it. This is kind of a, a normal approach that a lot of people have for, for dealing with a loss. You just try and give them some comforting little truisms so that they can just get over it. But the thing is, that's not really what our hearts need, nor is that really what the Bible says. The Bible, uh, when Jesus uh, came to be with us, he didn't just come down for a day and say, hey, y'all need to get over it. He came and he, he lived with us for 33 years and then he died for us. He knew that the answer to suffering is not avoidance, but leaning right into it. And when we practice a ministry of presence, that means a lot of times we know someone who's suffering, we just come and we sit with them. There's no magic phrase to say. There's nothing to do so that they just get over it. A ministry of presence is sitting with a person going through loss, saying, I love you. I care about you. I'm just going to sit and breathe your air for a bit. And if you've ever had someone do that for you in the midst of suffering, you know how much that means. But it's bigger than that. Uh, we live in the midst of an age and an era where a uh, vast majority of people around us are walking dead people. They are dead in their sins. They do not, do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they do not have hope. They live, they're just trying to live as long as possible, get as much wealth, as much comfort as they can, and not think about death. And that's not the point of life. What is the point of life, if not that? Yeah, serve and honor God, glorify God. It's, our lives are about him, not about us. Most people don't know that. They think their life is about them, and their lives are just, their, people are walking black holes. And people are, for that reason, quite miserable. We live in the midst of great material wealth, but the most miserable generation this world has ever seen. Have you seen how many people are on antidepressants in this country? Our people are not doing well, and it's because they continue to look inside for a peace that only comes from outside, from the Lord Jesus. You're not going to find it in here. We are the ones who have that message to give, and yet so often we have withdrawn from the world. We just let people live however they want to live, and I would say that that's a hateful way to be. The world needs Christians who are present with them. God was not content to leave us in our misery and sin. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus chose to come be with us in his body. I read a thing this week. It broke my heart. It said, in a good way, it broke my heart in a good way. It said, Jesus took on flesh. Jesus was born in that manger because we needed a brow upon which to put the crown of thorns. And he needed wrists to nail those nails to the, 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 the cross. And we needed a side to pierce with the spear. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. When we talk about the, the promised child, Emmanuel, Christ with us, God with us, 
That means God enters into our lives to save us. And that when we are Christians, when we walk in the footsteps of the Christ child, of God with us, that means that we go to be with others. That means that we desire to be with God and known by God, but that also means, and I'm going to convict myself here, Jesus tells this terrible parable. And by terrible, I mean it's a, it's a great parable, but it hurts. It talks about a man who's given talents that instead of using, he sits on. And his master comes back for an accounting, and he just gives back what he got. He didn't do anything with it. And his master kills him and curses him for not doing anything with what he was given. You and I were given this treasure in clay jars, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and God is looking at us to say, what are you going to do with this? Are you going to minister to the world and to spread the good news, or are you just going to sit on it? And for far too many Christians, the answer is, I'm just going to sit on it. Do you know Jesus, yes or no? If you do, if you have the peace that surpasses all understanding, then you have something to offer the world that they do not have on their own. How do we offer that to people who don't know it? Is it through billboards? Is it through an online marketing campaign? Is it through social media presence? No. Although we do do some of that. The way that people encounter Christ is through you. So there's this old-fashioned thing called introducing ourselves to others shaking their hand looking them in the eye do any of you live next to other weird humans they're called neighbors they've been put in your life to be ministered to we live in an era where people don't know their neighbors they don't pray for their neighbors they don't know what burdens their neighbors are carrying they don't watch out for their neighbors they just kind of Tunnel vision. They go inside and they turn on the TV. If the neighbors come over and knock on the door, they pretend they don't hear it. You laugh, but it's not funny, is it? We're called to minister to our neighbors. At the end of history, when we're called before God's judgment seat, I fully believe many of us will hear, there was a person that I put two doors down from you that needed to hear the gospel, and you never showed up. You never told them. Now, I'm not saying that you need to show up at their front door with the gospel track saying, have you heard the good news about Jesus? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, do you have a dinner table in your home? It's meant to have your neighbors at. Do you have a phone? It's meant to call your neighbors. We have been given these lives that we can spend on ourselves. But God, who came to be with us, calls us to go out and be with others. Your life is not your own. You've been bought at a price by one who showed you the way. And that means that just like God, you know, where was Jesus before he took on flesh? In heaven, living the high life, enthroned with angels serving him as they had from the beginning of creation. He had a great life. He chose to come be a human. We're gross compared to God. Think about yourself when you're sick and you have indigestion. Jesus signed on for that. Think about what he went through on the cross. Think about all the weird, hateful people he dealt with in this life. He did that for you and for me. And yes, then he ascended back into heaven, but he didn't have to do that. 
you and I, we can go, hey, I got a good thing going in my house. I got a Netflix subscription. I got this nice couch. You know, I got my three friends, my only three people I talk to. I'll minister to them some more. Meanwhile, and I've talked about this from the pulpit, when you look at our mission field out here, there are children living in homes where there is no love. There is no love. There are, there are parents doing their best, but they're spending half their lives playing video games. And I guess I'm saying they're not doing their best. There are people who have no idea what the good life is, and they're wasting every day of their life, and you could help them. Why don't you? I'm going to come back to this at the end of service. I, I already kind of gave the whole kit and caboodle here. But I want you to be uncomfortable. You know, the, you ever heard the task of a preacher is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable? If you didn't know it, that's my job. So if you're comfortable, I'm supposed to afflict you a little bit. And you know what? I am being a little bit mean and uh, uh, confrontational. But Jesus got a whip out and chased people around. And I haven't done that to you yet, okay? So I just want your minds to be thinking on this. Who has God placed in my life? You know, it's ridiculous how close we are to some people and how far away we feel. I want you to snap outside of that and go, who is in my realm? that I can minister to. How can I be God with us for somebody? All right, Psalm 80 is found on page 801 of your hymnal, and we're singing response one that sounds like this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Rooted in faith and love. All right, let's sing that together. She says she plays four notes and then we, we sing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. In the presence of Ephraim and Benjamin at Manasseh and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. I am the vine, you are the brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the rivers. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? 
The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stalk which your right hand planted. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. But let your hand be upon those of your right hand, the ones whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. I am the vine, you are the branches rooted in faith and love. So this psalm is primarily concerned with why are we suffering? God obviously established us where we were. It's talking about the Israelites. God gave them this land. He, he helped them to flourish, and then all of a sudden life is really hard. Why, God? And several times it says, restore us, restore us, restore us. Is that a bad prayer to offer to God? Father, I don't like suffering. Please restore me. It's all over the Bible, so it's probably not a bad prayer. But even so, a lot of times, like Paul's thorn in the flesh, God has ordained that we should suffer. I don't know how many of you saw it, but I, I taped a conversation with my uh, preacher friend, Coulter Connor, where he has studied First Peter for like three years in the Greek. And First Peter is a lot about suffering. And so we talked a lot about suffering and the, the fact that God ordains that we should suffer. And that's not a scandal. Did Jesus suffer when he was with us? Yeah, more than any other human ever has. On, on that cross, he bore all of our sins to the cross. So suffering can be and is, when we do it right, a holy thing that brings us closer to God. And God, who is with us, knows our suffering. That's something a lot of people forget. We want to separate ourselves from God. Oh, God doesn't know what it's like to be me. God's going to give me an, uh, some out. I'm not going to be held to the same standard as everybody because really I've got it worse. God got it worst. There is no place you can go that God has not already gone. And there's, there's this psalm saying, Father, we're suffering. Please restore us. Now, what if God doesn't restore you? What then? Does he still expect the same things of you? Yeah, absolutely he does. Nobody gets a free pass. Nobody gets a free pass. So we always have to remind ourselves because of what Christ did to come be with us, because of his suffering for us, there is no place I can go that excludes me from the covenant. Cody already said it. What is the thing that our lives is supposed to be about if it's not about accumulating wealth and friends and living as long as possible? What are our lives about if not that? Obedience because it glorifies God. It's about glorifying God, serving God. Our lives are about him. And here, what we have in Psalm 80 is we're presented with this problem. How do we live when things are bad? 
You know, we all agree when things are good, yes, we should return our love to God. How many people, whenever life gets hard, all of a sudden you don't see them at church anymore? All of a sudden their prayer life is gone. All of a sudden they're very far from God. The whole point of our faith is to be there for us in hard times for us to lean upon. So whether or not times are good or bad, our job is to glorify God. And that's what the Psalms always drive us to. When times are good, we glorify God for that. When times are bad, we say, God, be with me in the hard times and get me out of them. Do we have a God that's going to get us out of the hard times? Absolutely. We believe in this thing called salvation and this place called the kingdom. And that's where we want to be. Let's... uh, do our third reading from Romans. I'd welcome that reader forward. Our third reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, which you can find on page 1,582 of your pew Bibles. Listen, listen again to the word of God. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be the saints. Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Let's let's call it verse 7 again. If we can go back a couple slides. Now, it says to all who are in Rome, but he's actually writing to all believers, including us. That's why it's in the Bible, okay? So, you were called to be, what's that word? Saints. What's a saint? Is that someone who walks around with a halo on their head? What's a saint? I preached on this before. Y'all aren't memorizing every single thing I've ever preached? Saints are holy people. So uh, the, the Greek word is hagios, holy ones. How do you get holy? Are you born holy? We're born in God's image, but we're messed up in sin, right? So we're not holy. We're actually separated from the holy one. So is there any way that unholy people born in sin can become holy? It begins with justification, where we give up on ourselves and we repent and the blood of Jesus is applied to our hearts. But what happens, what is supposed to happen after justification? There it is. We have a Methodist church right here, folks. We don't stop at justification. We know that God sanctifies us, helps us to grow in holiness. There is a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who makes a home in us. We become temples and vessels of the Holy Spirit and we become holy as Christ is holy. We don't become a new Christ, but we inhabit the mind of Christ. We become the loving hands and feet of Christ. That is the scriptural message is we are not left in our sin and misery. Rather, we are made to be holy. We are called by God to be saints, holy people. That's the purpose of life is to be holy. And what we celebrate is when we could not be holy on our own, God himself came to be with us to show us the way and equip us with the spiritual armament that we need to be holy 
as he is holy. The whole point of everything we're doing here is to grow in holiness. So if you're not growing in holiness, you're doing it wrong. You ever see, I, people don't, it's wrong, but people record other people at the gym who don't know how to use the machines right, and they'll do stupid stuff, and everybody's just sitting there laughing at them. That's what's going on in heaven whenever we're showing up to church and we're not growing in holiness. Or when we're reading our Bible and we're not growing in holiness. These things have been given for the express purpose to help us grow in holiness. Because that's what would glorify God. But when we continue to go to church, read our Bibles, fast, hang out with Christian friends, to do all these things and yet we're not budging at all in the direction of God, then that's like someone who is uh, using a hammer to prop their window open. That is not what a hammer is for, is it? Some people don't like that metaphor. I'm sticking with it. I've used it several times as part of my repertoire. Everything has a purpose, and the purpose of our faith, Jesus Christ, the Christian faith is to help us grow in holiness that you and I can be saints. That's what he begins this letter with. That's what's throughout the Bible. Uh, that's the whole point of everything we're doing here. So uh, just if, in case you didn't know, that's the point. All right, we're already past time, so I'm going to skip People Look East, and we're going to read our final reading, just from the Gospel of Mark. It's in chapter 1. It's verses 18 through 25. It's, you can find it on page 1337 of your pew Bibles. Listen to the Word of God. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. That means privately. Other people wouldn't know it. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. All right, so the theme throughout the readings today, the first reading said, of the tribe of David, Emmanuel would come. In Romans, we also had this fulfillment that Jesus was of the line of David, and now once again we have this fulfilled promise, promise, prophecy, promise that Jesus was of the tribe of David. All right. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, and that which is conceived of her, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Anybody remember what his name, Yeshua, is how they said it? Anybody remember what his name means? Savior. Yes. Good job, Joseph. You shall name him Savior, for he shall save people from their sins. How many people read that and they don't know that Jesus means Savior? They just go, okay, yeah, name him Jesus. No big deal. Well, no, you're naming him Savior because that's what he's going to do. He's going to save people from their sins. Spoiler alert, this boy is the Savior. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying... Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, that means he didn't have relations with her, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I've already preached the whole sermon today, but I'm going to re return back to where I was really pushing earlier. We're about to enter into the, the holy season of Christmas where we're, 
thankful that God came in the form of a child and we celebrate his nativity for 12 whole days. That's how long Christmas is. It's a time when traditionally we're focused on charitable and benevolent ways of being in the world. And the reality is a lot of us get locked into a certain way of being in the world that is very self-centered. I know that I've certainly gotten to be that way. I've got four kids that are constantly calling me, requiring my attention. I've gotten insular and it's really, it's gone a long time with me. I need to repent of this. Ever since COVID came, I haven't been ministering to my neighbors. I haven't been getting out there and engaging people the way that I was guilt tripping you that you needed to. You know, we got this whole thing where there was this contagion that was spreading and and I knew that if I showed up on somebody's doorstep or tried to get involved in people's lives, a lot of people would see that as an attempt to kill them or kill their grandmother. You know, it was just a time. I did show up at a couple doorsteps where somebody said, I don't want to come out and talk to you. Please go away. And it really hurts to get rejected that way. But I would much rather get rejected by people this side of heaven than by my Savior when I come before his judgment seat. And I really don't think it's going to fly. You know, Jesus, I didn't pass on the good news you gave me because I was afraid of getting rejected. People were kind of mean to me. People were mean to Jesus. That didn't keep him from speaking truth. People killed him for what he said. He did not get silent because of it. You and I have been given a message. We've been given a way of life. We've been given a purpose, which is to glorify God and grow in holiness. I hope I've made all this sound very simple today. I hope I've laid it out just very clear. And what I'm hoping is as you go home, that you prayerfully reflect on your life and you consider the people that God has put in your orbit and ways that you can use the assets you've been given, the house you've been given, the trust you've been given to minister to other people who have no hope. I'm going to end with just a final, this is not even going to be from the Bible. This is just going to be a, a, a scientific thing. I, I follow this guy, John Stossel, who was on 2020 for years. I like him. I know a lot of people. Well, no, he's a likable guy. If you don't like him, you're weird. But he, uh, he does these little short reports, and this one he did was uh, on happiness. And he said, happiness is complicated. There are people that study it. But one of the factors that we find is most influential over if a person is happy or not is if they have much contact with other people. If you have a lot of contact with other people, you are happy. If you don't, you are not. So we've already known this to some degree or another. That's why it's cruel and unusual punishment to put somebody in uh, solitary confinement for a long period of time. Humans do not do well alone. But we live in a culture where uh, there are people that study this. The square footage of people's houses has gotten bigger and bigger. People have more and more space to themselves. They spend less and less time in voluntary organizations outside of the house. We have a culture that is more alone than it's ever been, than any society has ever been. And that's why we're miserable. And Stossel, in his report, he anticipates some people say, well, I'm, I'm an introvert, and I, I don't get joy from other people. They tire me out. He said there, he talked about studies where introverts are forced to talk to strangers, whether it be on a streetcar or in the grocery store. And even though they hate it in the moment, later that day, they feel better because of it. Humans are made to be with other humans. That's what you are made for. You are not made to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Life is not to be made to be lived on our own terms and our own space. We are gregarious. We are made to be in relationship, not just with God, but with other people. So here's the exhortation. As you go back home to your comfortable homes and your life where God has gifted you with many things, is it possible that God is calling you to be holy and to build a new connection with somebody? Whether or not it gets them to church, 
whether or not it gets them following Jesus as another saint, is God calling you to minister to somebody who has no hope? Just meditate on that, and I'll bet that God has given you somebody. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn, Joy to the World, hymn number 246.